I know we have kids in the audience here and we're so grateful and so the word of the day is dream. So any form of dream, tally all the times that we say dream and in the back they will give you a treat after service and you have to make sure you have the accurate amount of times that I said the word dream. Alright, so what makes the Olympics special? Let's get a couple people to share. Because the Olympics are obviously very special, yes. Happens every four years, so it's not that common. Yes. All the nations come together. It's a worldwide event. Yes. It happens even when we have world conflicts. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. You're seeing the, the, the world's most talented uh, athletes there. Okay. Awesome. All right. Any other reasons why the Olympics are so special? Yes, Desiree. Because you get to see what? You get to see sports. Okay, that's true. Yes, you get to see sports there. Okay, all right. Emily, one more. Yes. Okay, you get to honor athletes and recognize and see athletes that you might not normally see there, right? There are some events that are pretty incredible. I don't know what's that one where they're on the ice and they do that thing. What is that? Curling. I'll be honest with you. I first saw that. I was like, what is this? And then last Olympics, I was so much into it. You know what I'm saying? I was, even, I was watching countries that weren't even the U.S. And I usually watch just U.S. But I'm watching England. I'm like, go, go get it. You know what I mean? And so there's something about the Olympics, the worldwide competition. Uh, we see, uh, especially for us, we get to see our country represented, right? We're like USA. We're excited. The inspiring stories of the athletes. We see the impossible done. We see world records being broken. You know, there's just something so special. And I think it inspires us as well as we see this because we too want to do similar things in our lives. We want to, we, we get inspired to take it higher in our lives, to accomplish a feat in which we maybe thought we couldn't do or we always dreamed of. And you know, the spiritual journey is actually compared to the Olympic Games. You know, in the scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing to the church there, and he says something interesting about the spiritual journey. And he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, it talks about here. Again, and he actually, Paul has this imagery of the Olympic Games uh, in place as, as he writes this passage here. And, you know, just like for us, like, like, like the Olympians, we are for the next several weeks going to go through this kind of Olympic process in which we will also go ahead and go beyond the gold. And we will talk about the, the dream, training, competing, victory, and legacy. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about dream. Talking about the dream that is required in our spiritual lives. 
And actually, as we do this, as we look at this kind of Olympics of faith, if you will, we're going to walk through uh, God's victories and uh, work and miracles in the life of a man named Joseph in the book of Genesis. So we're going to have to look through that for the next several weeks here, and we'll see how we are to dream, to compete, to train, victory, and legacy. So church, are you with me here? All right, so let me just ask you this, or, you know, let's just do this. I like doing this. We've been doing this recently. With twos or threes next to the people next to you here, answer this question. How does the idea of a dream, what kind of role does the dream play in an Olympian going for the Olympics. You guys get what I'm saying here? All right, so we're thinking, let's think Olympics here. Now, as far as Olympians go, right, literally, how much does a role or what kind of role does a dream play for an Olympian? Go ahead and discuss amongst yourselves there. We'll give you guys about one minute or so. Stuart, it seems like something is, is on. Is there is there some some other mic that's on or something? I hear this buzzing. Let's go ahead and get a couple people to share. What role does a dream play for an Olympian? Let's go ahead and have a couple people be able to share what, what they expressed. Uh, Carrie. The dream helps motivate them to get up and, and to actually see it come to fruition. Okay, cool. Saw a hand over here. Yes, sir. The dream motivates you. Without the dream, they wouldn't even be there. Yes, Lexi. Dreams help you push past the hardships and struggles there. Okay, yes. It gives them a vision of some goals to work toward, right? Okay, all right, one more. Okay, once they get there, they actually appreciate the sacrifice and, and realize that it was worth the sacrifice there. Okay, good. Obviously, we know the dream and vision is important for these Olympian athletes because if they never had one, they wouldn't even be there in the first place. Like, there's no Olympian that we will see in the next couple of weeks who, was, who didn't have a dream of actually being there. They just go, oh, you know what, let me just try this for a week. You know, like, they wouldn't be good enough to make it there, right? And so we know it starts off with a dream, a vision of being in the Olympics, of hopefully competing and hopefully standing on the podium with that medal around their neck. You know, in dreams and visions, they motivate us, like was said, to, 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 to be motivated to, to get over the humps, to actually get up, to train, and when something gets hard, to actually push through. And you know, that's the same for us spiritually. Without a dream or without a vision, of something, we won't attempt any great feats. 
We won't mature in the faith, and it's possible we actually won't even reach our goal. And so it's important that we understand here in the Olympics of faith, in our walk with God, in this spiritual journey, that there is a dream. Let's go ahead and pray before we get into the scriptures. God, thank you so much for this time. I'm so grateful no one got hurt here during the Olympic challenges. God, I'm excited here about the next couple weeks and just even our Bible study here today. God, I pray that you speak, minister to every single soul here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're over here looking at the story of Joseph here. So to help us kind of understand the time reference, Abraham was, was Joseph's great-great-grandfather, uh, uh, great-grandfather, well, excuse me there. Then it was Isaac, then Jacob, and then Joseph. And then remember, this is not to scale here, all right? This is just for us to understand the time frame in which we're in. So here we are in the story of Genesis chapter 37. Let's read here in verse 2. It says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, come on teenagers, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Okay, we, I just love the, the, the Bible, it's honest, this is not good parenting. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he had made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. That makes sense. We continue in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers they hated him all the more, he said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood up while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Continuing in verse 9, it says, then he had another dream. And he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. We'll stop right there. So what happened here? Joseph gets a dream and he shares it. He gets a second dream and he shares it. And it doesn't go well with his brothers, does it? And we can think maybe he was doing this out of arrogance. Hey, y'all know Pops loves me most. Let me tell you about some dreams I've had. Or maybe he's ignorant. Maybe he doesn't realize sharing his dream that they would have a negative response. Or maybe he's just so excited, he's just like, I just have to share this dream. It, it depends, you know, we can argue and debate, but we don't know. And there's several options of what his motivations were. But we know this, after he shared it, his brothers hated him even more. Then his second dream, he gets his dad upset. And in both dreams, he is exalted and others bow to him. Now, why is this even an issue at all? I tell my wife dreams sometimes. She tells me dreams and we go, oh, interesting, and move on with the day. She doesn't get upset. I don't get upset. No, you know what I mean? There's no problems. Or we don't get too excited about our dreams. But you see, this is an issue because see, in ancient times, many people saw certain dreams as a form of revelation. 
And so not every dream they took as a revelation, but sometimes it was clear like this isn't just a regular dream that I had. This is some type of revelation for me. And so this is what we see is taking place because see the family recognizes this isn't an ordinary dream because of the way they respond to it. They're mad about the dream, the brothers are, then they're mad that he told them about their dream. And then the father, he recognizes this is no ordinary dream, that's Jacob or Israel, he changed his name to Israel, and he recognizes the dream and they all can easily interpret what's going on. Hey, 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 you're being lifted up and somehow we are going to come in some form of worship or, or servitude to you. And so there's this interpretation because they understand this is, this is special. This is different what's taking place. And I want to give you a spoiler alert. Most of us might know the story. Some of us don't. But the dream actually does come true. You see, Joseph becomes this powerful and influential figure in the, the greatest nation at that period of time, which is Egypt. And his family does come and does have this form of bowing down and servitude to him. In fact, we read, we'll jump over to 40, 42 just for right now. But it reads, now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? It wasn't just a regular dream. And we see even clearly now afterwards that this was a divine revelation. And so what are some things that we can learn from this story? What are some things that you and I can take away and apply to our lives? I believe one of those things is that God has a dream or a vision for his people. God has a dream and a vision for his people collectively and individually. He has a plan. He has an idea of where he wants to take the individual, where he wants to take his people for a greater purpose. You see, the dream for Joseph and the dream for the family tree of Israel, that actually went back to Abraham. Remember, Joseph, he's the, the great-grandson of Abraham. And God had said, hey, Abraham, through your family line, it's going to be a blessing to the whole world. And we see again that God had this vision, this dream, in which there would be something great that would take place during, through Abraham and then through the nation that would come through them. And then also we see individually with Joseph here, but then we see it collectively with the family line. And we see the work in Joseph's life to save people in a severe family, famine. We'll get to that later. But then also... He uses the people of Israel to be a blessing, to reveal God's character to all the nations, but ultimately to be the bloodline in which Jesus would come from. And we see that God has vision and dreams for his people collectively and also individually. And I also believe that we can learn from this story that God's dreams and visions are greater and bigger. They're greater and bigger than yours and mine could ever be. You see, what Joseph becomes, he never would have thought of. You see, Joseph and his, they're just a small group there. And when we see in there, they're, they're about, at this time here, it says when Abraham's family, no, excuse me, when Jacob's family goes over to Egypt, it's less than 70 people. And so for Joseph to think, hey, I come from this little small group of people. There's no way that I'm going to be second in command to the greatest, I mean, to the great, in the greatest nation in that time. 
There's no way. I'm a foreigner. How would that ever happen? I couldn't be born into that situation. I don't live there. He could never have that type of dream or vision. You guys get what I'm saying? And so we see God's dreams and visions are greater and bigger than ours. And you know, God's plan for Joseph was actually beyond Joseph. It wasn't really even about Joseph. And Joseph and maybe them are interpreting it, you know, again, we can speculate here, interpreting that this dream at the time was just about him. Hey, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be honored. I'm going to be something special. But that's not God's plan or dream at all, is it? It was actually bigger, greater, and beyond Joseph. And you know, the same for us. And again, even Joseph, again, he, he potentially reads this selfishly, but God's plan was actually for him to be of service. And you know, the same for us collectively as a, as a body of Christ, but also individually. God's vision, his dream, his plan is bigger than us. It's bigger than us as individuals, and it goes way beyond having a good life here on earth. God's vision and dream for your life is more than getting good grades and going to a nice good college. It's, it's, it's greater than you having a high-paying salary. It's greater than you having the American dream with the spouse, uh, uh, a white picket fence, and two and a half children and a dog. God's dream and vision for your life is bigger and greater for that. In fact, it's not even about you. It's about something greater than you. You know, before I became a, a true Christian, I thought God's plans and what he had given me and, and the opportunities was primarily for me. You know, I mean, that, that's the way I kind of interpreted things. And even now I hear a lot of that discussion, you know, and, and I think of maybe even Drake's song, God's plan. Those who don't know Drake, it's okay. The teenagers and college students know Drake, okay? All right? Here's the song, God's Plan. And, and this is the way a lot of times we interpret things is we see these blessings, we see these attributes as just being for us. Like it's for us to have this quote-unquote good life. And that's what I used to think. Hey, God, okay, you're going to have me go to college so that I can get a career, so that I can have some money. And, and this could be, you know, yeah, it's going to help serve some people. But it's really because you just love me and this is what you want for my life. You know, but God's vision and plan was bigger than that. His vision has a bigger purpose. It's to reveal and to bring him glory and so that his plan can serve others. And so, as we take a step back and we realize, wait, God's vision and plan for his church, for me as an individual, is not always about just me. In fact, it's beyond and greater than me. It's beyond and greater than just our local uh, uh, body of Christ. It's greater and bigger, and it's about his purposes and him serving others. And so how do we respond to this? What do we do? What should we do? What should our response be? I believe it is this. It is to seek kingdom dreams. Seek kingdom dreams. Go to the next slide, please. It's not working down there. Seek kingdom dreams. You know, kingdom dreams are dreams and visions of what God wants to do in and through our lives for his glory and for the betterment of his kingdom on earth. You see, kingdom dreams aren't just about us. It's about his kingdom advancing. It's about his kingdom growing and flourishing and maturing to be the body of Christ in which he has designed it to be, Ephesians chapter 4. It's about desiring to know and fulfill his will for our lives. You know, many of us in here, we have a dream for our lives. 
And some of us, we're, we're pursuing those dreams for our lives. But the question we need to ask is, are we seeking God's kingdom dreams for our lives? Are we putting the same efforts? Do we even have any dreams, first of all? And then, then if we do, are we putting in the effort to see his dreams be fulfilled in and through us? That's the question of the hour. Because we're either seeking our dream or we're seeking his kingdom dream. You know, our vision and our dream might not align always with what he wants to do in our lives. So then the question is, well, what are we going to do about that? Are we going to just keep going down our path? Or are we going to now align ourselves with what he has in mind for us? You know, I'll be honest, I'm nervous that some of us, we don't even realize that we're seeking our dreams and have veered from seeking his dreams. But we don't realize it. And that's what I'm nervous of. Because, again, there's a difference in the dream, in our dreams and kingdom dreams. And one of the, the, the clear markers and indicators is who benefits the most from our dream? And who gets the glory? If it's us and just our small family that benefits the most, then it's not more than likely a kingdom dream. But if it's God receiving the glory and a greater amount of people being served and benefit, now we might be along the lines of being a part of God's kingdom dreams. You see, when we seek our dream over God's, we veer from the path that he has designed for us, that he has laid out for us, and we can potentially drift from our connection with God. You see, well, if we follow our own, then what happens, at least what I can testify to, is we get things messed up. We get frustrated. We're angry. Things aren't going the way we want it to be. We, we miss out on being who God wants us to be. We miss out on doing what God wants us to do. And then we have unnecessary suffering. I don't know about you, but I hate unnecessary suffering. We're all going to suffer in life. But I hate when it's unnecessary. Like, I put myself in that position. You guys get what I'm saying? And then also, we can suffer, or actually not us, but God's people end up suffering because we're not aligned with his will, so we're not doing our part in affecting and, 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 and better, or to the betterment of God's people. You see, we have to be reminded his vision is better for our lives. Joseph, you would ask him at 17, what do you want to do? Hey, man, I probably want to take over the father's business. I want to run this show. God's like, I got something greater than that for you. And it's not even about you. And it's going to be even bigger than you. And it's going to last until the day in which my son, Jesus Christ, will come and return to earth. That's the impact and legacy that I want to have through your work and my dream. You know, before I became a, a Christian, I, I went to school for broadcast journalism. And so I, I was studied to be, uh, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And so uh, some of you might remember Bob Costas. And so I, I wanted to be the black Bob Costas. So he would do the Olympics. He do the, he was like the man. So I was like, man, that's, that's who I'm going to be. And so I ended up becoming a, 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 a Christian, a true Christian, uh, my sophomore year in college. And so I, I realized, and I would hear people talk about having dreams for God and all these different things. I was like, wow. Wow, that, that's really awesome. That's really cool. Um, and so I decided, you know what? I, I don't, I don't want to be the black Bob Costas for me anymore. Like, I want to be a broadcaster so they would bring glory to God. So that I can somehow 
in the industry, be able to share my faith, and we'll see some, some people in the industry and some athletes come to Christ through that. And it could be a possibility for people to say, yo, that's Marcel. He's in our ministry. Look at him on, on TV. And they can be fired up. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And I thought, man, that was really good. And then I worked in sports radio and, and I worked in radio and I'd have disciples who would listen to the show and hear me on the radio and they'd be fired up. They'd call or text like, Marcel, we heard you represent. I'm like, yes, this is happening. This is awesome. And then God started to do something else. He was like, Marcel, I have a different vision for your life than that. I'm going to call you into the full-time ministry. Whoa, hold up. That's not that much money. I remember getting called into the ministry and they're like, all right, well, here's your salary. I was like, that's a serious pay cut. Can we talk about that? They're like, no. I said, well, can we talk again about it? They said, no. I said, well, I guess I'm taking a pay cut. Then Karina came in and then it was like, whoa, she was making more money than me at that time. Come on, women. There you go. And like, you fired up. You're crazy. And she had to take another pay cut. And I'm looking like, wow, this is not what we envisioned for our lives. But God had a different plan, and I don't regret it one bit. You see, here's the thing. We have to have dreams. We can have dreams for our lives, and that's great. But here's what we need to do. We need to discern and follow God's dreams for us collectively and individually. We need to discern, inquire, and then follow God's dreams for our lives. And so that means not to ask God to bless our dreams, but to understand what he is desiring for us. God, what are you putting upon my heart? What do you want and envision for me to do now and in the near future and possibly long term? And you say, well, how do we discern that? Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? It's not always clear. But there are a couple things that I believe are helpful for us. Sometimes it's a spiritual desire that's deep on our hearts. Something that he put on our hearts. Sometimes it's not something that we would choose, but he believes in us. Being a teen camp director, trust me, when I got baptized, nobody had that vision for me. They didn't think I was going to make it. I got baptized in Washington, D.C. I went to New York like two or three weeks right after I got baptized. It was in the summer in New York church. And then I came back down like six months later to visit uh, uh, over in Washington, D.C. And I heard the brother talking. And they were like, man, we're so happy he's here. We didn't think he was going to make it. <laughs> so nobody anticipates Marcel becoming a minister or leading a, a teen camp. You guys get what I'm saying? But God has something in mind. And he has something in mind for every single one of us. You see, the dreams and visions in the Bible were all ignited by God. Let's take a brief overview look here. With Noah, with Moses, with the Israelites, with Isaiah, with Ezekiel, with Jeremiah, with those who returned back from Babylon, Nehemiah, the apostles, and so on and so on. None of them were like, yeah, I, this is what I want to do. No, it was something that God has started to ignite in their hearts, in their minds, and then we see something great take place. And just like the Olympics, a dream is needed of competing and winning to motivate, to train, and to sacrifice, we too need spiritual kingdom dreams beyond just living and going to heaven. If that's your dream and vision, I have something to reveal to you today. That's not all that God wants from you. If you're like, I just want to live and then die and go to heaven, that's not what God designed you for. He wants to use you a part of a greater and bigger plan. You see, 
just living and, and, and just going, hey, I just want to make it to heaven, that doesn't always motivate you, does it? You get up in the morning, that doesn't motivate you every morning to read your Bible and to pray. That doesn't motivate you to not lie when you're in that situation where you're like, if I tell the truth, there could be a consequence. You see, kingdom dreams and visions help guide our direction and our decisions. And they motivate us to train and to sacrifice. And when it's over, we won't look back with regret, but we'll be fired up and say, yes, it was worth it. And so let's get very practical here. You guys still with me here? All right, so we talked about Olympic challenges for the week. So this is everybody, okay? We're having day of events and we're having a challenge for the week. So go ahead and write this down, take a picture, do whatever you need to do. Here's what I want you to do. Start praying for a kingdom dream if you don't already have one. Start praying for it, but then here's what I want you to do. Write down that goal or dream. Write down that goal or dream. We're going to bring it in and we're going to have some time in which we can share and do some things about it. But this is everybody's Olympic challenge of the week. Right now we're going to take communion, where we take the bread and the juice, the emblems that represent Jesus' body and blood that was sacrificed for our salvation. And you know, Jesus had and still has a kingdom dream in which all nations would be saved and enter into his family and be a part of God's eternal kingdom. And that dream, that vision led to his endurance and sacrifice on the cross. Look over what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he had your vision. He had your dream in mind. And we are part of that. And God, that he looked out and he knew that we were going to respond to the good news, that we would have the opportunity to respond to the good news. And God, thank you that he had that vision in mind to endure the ridicule that he suffered on the cross. Thank you that he had that in mind, God, when he was living here on earth and decided not to compromise the convictions of righteousness, therefore being the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And God, we thank you that now today, God, that we can participate in what you are doing globally, what you are doing locally. God, a part of your eternal plan. God, reveal to us what you want us to do collectively and what you want us to do individually. We thank you so much for Jesus. and.